Well, today I thought, uh, since it's the time of counting the Omer, that today and for the next few weeks, uh, we might talk about issues related to the resurrection of the Messiah, the ascension of the Messiah, what these 50 days are leading up to, uh, so that when we come to Shavuot, we really can have a season uh, of rejoicing. Uh, I know that uh, we've been uh, studying the book of Acts, and we're up to chapter 8, and uh, we will uh, be continuing our study of Acts. But usually at this time of year, we pause during these 50 days uh, for a little series related to that journey. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting in the Gospel of Luke that uh, Luke uh, records for us uh, the words of Yeshua as he was talking to his disciples during that 40-day uh, period. So uh, in one particular place, in Luke chapter 24, in verse 44, he says, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still uh, with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so during the 40 days that Yeshua was with his disciples, after he was resurrected from the dead, he taught them uh, about himself from the scriptures. He recalled times that he had taught them, uh, and he reminded them of a variety of, of a variety of passages. So one of those passages is one that we want to focus on really today and in a certain respect for this entire 50-day period. Uh, and it is in Psalm uh, chapter 110 uh, in verse 1. And there we read, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So this is a very interesting uh, passage of scripture. Uh, David uh, is the speaker. It's a psalm of David. And David says, the Lord said to my Lord. So you may be familiar with this text a little bit. The Lord. Now, if you have a, a traditional Bible, uh, the first word Lord is probably capitalized. All the letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that is yud heh vav -Hey. Uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, the God. <laughs> okay, the Lord said to my Lord. Now here you have a different uh, a different uh, word, uh, which means Lord, uh, as in uh, uh, authority. Uh, where we read Abraham in a particular place is called Lord. It's a different word altogether. Uh, and so David is saying the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make uh, your enemies a footstool for my feet. So the Lord is saying to David's Lord, whoever that is, sit at my right hand. To sit at God's right hand is to sit in a place of power. To sit at God's right hand is to sit in a place of authority. Uh, and so David is recording these words, which Yeshua says he spoke in the spirit, uh, filled with the Ruach, 
saying, God said to my Lord. Now, who could my Lord be? Uh, and of course, it's speaking about uh, King Messiah. Who else uh, uh, could it be? And it's interesting because King Messiah is a descendant of David, yet David calls him Lord. Now, Yeshua uh, applies this passage uh, to himself. Uh, in uh, We read, for example, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 42. There it says, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. So Yeshua responds and says, Then how does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, and here he quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on ask him another uh, a question. So Yeshua is saying, there's more to me than meets the eye. Uh, you know, if David is uh, calling uh, his descendant, the son of David, Lord, there must be something very unique about him. Now, this passage was certainly understood as messianic because in the book of Acts, uh, Peter makes much of this passage. He says in Acts chapter 2, in verse 34 to 36, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Yeshua whom you crucified. Then Paul also, without particularly quoting the passage, refers to this passage when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the kihilah, uh, to the congregation, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. And then a little in the next chapter, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Messiah, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. Now, it's interesting that, uh, so we read in the psalm itself that David is referring 
to where God is dwelling and that David's Lord would sit in the place of authority uh, uh, with the Father, with God. Uh, and this is the son of David, yet he is uh, the authority of David, the king the king that comes from David and the king of David. Uh, and then Yeshua applies this passage to himself. Peter applies this passage to Yeshua. And Paul applies the passage to Yeshua being currently now, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Yeshua, seated in this heavenly place as king. Now for us, it's kind of hard, I think, sometimes to understand what is this heavenly place and, and how are we seated there and, and how does it relate to us at all? Well, it's very important, just as last week, <laughs> it was very important for us to understand the resurrection of Yeshua. May I suggest that uh, today we want to make sure that we understand the ascension of Yeshua, the ascension of Yeshua. Now, first of all, what do we mean by the ascension of Yeshua? It means when Yeshua is lifted up into the cloud. Okay, now, 40 days after the resurrection of the Messiah, in Acts chapter 1, uh, we read that uh, these words about uh, the Messiah. In verse 9, after he had said these things, he was, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay? Uh, and then it says, and as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Yeshua has, has been, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. That is called the ascension of Yeshua, the ascension of Yeshua, being taken up into the cloud, into the presence of God. Now, as I said, this, uh, for us, uh, living in the 21st century, uh, it might be a difficult concept for us to understand. We might have, where is heaven? We might ask that question. Where is uh, uh, Yeshua? Uh, if we don't see him, how do we know where that is? Is it on top of a, you know, is he sitting on a cloud uh, somewhere? After all, he was taken up into a cloud. We have to understand that back in the first century, and even before that, uh, there was uh, clearly an idea that there was an invisible spiritual world that, uh, where God dwelled, where angels dwelled, where uh, uh, celestial beings a dwelt that served God in a variety of capacities. This is hard for us to understand in our Western thinking, but this is how uh, people in Yeshua's day and before the ancients understood that there's the physical world, but there's also an invisible world. We could say, uh, yes, a visible and an, and an invisible uh, world where God dwells, and it's called heaven. Or another word is sky, actually, Shemayim. Uh, in Hebrew, in the sky, uh, this other other uh, place. Uh, but it's important for us to to understand that it's not about a spatial different place, spatial as in space, 
were not they were not so much concerned like where do we find this place it's an invisible place and it is very interesting that even in the torah we read really that heaven is where god where god dwells when our ancestors uh left egypt uh, and went through the uh the waters that had parted and they sang a song uh, part of the song says that they have entered into the habitation of god but they were in the wilderness they were not in some other celestial planet uh, 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 somewhere. They were in the presence of God. Uh, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden, in a way, uh, as N.T. Uh, Wright describes uh, in his book, Surprised by Hope, that in a way, at Eden, heaven and earth were, were very much connected to each other. God dwelt uh, in, in Eden. Uh, but after the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, there became this disconnect of the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of, of uh, mankind. Uh, and uh, that disconnect uh, caused an alienation or was the, the result of an alienation between God uh, and uh, humanity. And so we could say that when Yeshua ascended to the right hand of God, he entered simply into the invisible presence of God, which is where he is now. And he serves as our king. And this is a present reality. This is not uh, some kind of uh, esoteric truth that uh, might be true, might not be true. It is not a case that the only thing that is true is what we see. No, what we don't see is also true. Uh, and so how important it is for us to get that kind of understanding of the presence of God, that God dwells uh, in one sense in this world, and in another way he dwells in an invisible kingdom uh, with celestial beings. Uh, and Yeshua, uh, when, after he rose from the dead in his resurrection, 40 days later he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and that is where he dwells uh, today. And the Bible says that he makes intercession for us. Uh, and he does a variety of things. And over the next few Shabbat mornings, we're going to talk about some of the things that Yeshua does uh, at, at sitting on his throne uh, in the presence of, of God and what that means uh, for us. Now, today, right now, for the next few minutes, we want to just simply understand our relationship to his throne in the presence of God, at that right hand of God, as we read in Psalm uh, 110, as a, and as Peter uh, preached, uh, and as Paul says. Now, it's very interesting. One of the things that we said uh, uh, of the way that Paul refers to this in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, in verse 6, let me read that again. He says, beginning in verse uh, 4, 5, and 6, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Messiah, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him, seated us with him in heavenly places, in Messiah Yeshua. So 
Not only has he ascended to the right hand of the Father and sits on his throne, just as we are identified in the resurrection of Messiah, in a certain respect, we are identified in the ascension of the Messiah and that we are in his presence, even as we speak. And so we have our physical reality here, me sitting here today, you sitting at home right where you are. That is a physical present reality. But we need to understand that there is another present reality at the same time, that we live and exist in the presence of Yeshua, seated with him in heavenly places uh, and uh, at the right hand of the Father. That has a lot of meaning for us that we'll be discussing. But right now, we just want to understand the very truth of that and the difference that the truth of that uh, can make uh, in our lives. Now, if you have your Bible with you, another place that we could turn where we say, well, what difference does any of this make is in Colossians chapter 3, in the book of Colossians in the third chapter. Now, in Colossians, it's rather interesting. What uh, Paul is doing is he is helping the uh, Colossians to remember uh, who they are uh, in the Messiah, helping them to remember who they are in the Messiah. He says at the very last verse of chapter 2, in chapter 2 and verse 23, he says, These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. What he's saying there is, is that don't let people rob you of the inheritance that you have by telling you that you must uh, whip yourself into shape. You know, no, remember who you are in the Messiah. And then he says, if then you have been raised up with Messiah, we've been raised up with Messiah, right, in his resurrection, and we're seated in heavenly places with him. He says, keep seeking the things above where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. And so he's telling us, he's admonishing us uh, that we need uh, to have a worldview. We need to set our mind. We need to recognize that we are seated in heavenly places uh, in Messiah. He goes on to say, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. What does he mean when he says this? He says, remember who you are in Messiah. Remember that the temporal world that you see is not all that there is. There is an invisible spiritual reality in, in which you dwell. And you need to think about that. You need to dwell uh, on that. Uh, because when we dwell on that, then we remember that Yeshua is our king. We remember that we are seated with him in heavenly places. God has called us to a high calling. And therefore, we need to frame everything in this world through the lens of Messiah Yeshua being seated at the right hand of God and us seated with him. We need to view the culture. We need to view politics. We need to view current events. 
We need to view everything in this life through this lens. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter uh, if everyone believes, doesn't believe. This is a, a reality. Uh, as much as I'm sitting here at this desk, as much as you are sitting at home, as much as the chair that you're sitting on, the phone or computer that you're looking at is real. So this is real. This invisible place, this invisible reality of the presence of God is real. And in a certain respect, it's more real because it's eternal. Your chair is not going to last forever. Your computer is not going to last forever. Everything, if you look around the room, wherever you are, it's not going to last forever. It is temporal. Everything in this life that we see is temporal and will eventually decompose, fade away. But, will not, but what will not fade away is our position seated with Messiah in that heavenly place. And so we need to put our eggs in that basket. And perhaps our passion, as you read in the Jirash maybe for this week, our passion needs to be for Yeshua and serving him uh, and recognizing our calling and setting our mind on heavenly things. Setting our mind on heavenly things doesn't mean that we become ignorant to this world or uh, sticking our head in the sand. No, it has to do with a worldview. It has to do with a worldview of transformation and how we understand ourselves and how we see uh, this world. It has to do with recognizing the present reality of Yeshua. We tend to think of Yeshua as in the past. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And he's returning. But there is a present reality of Yeshua. Sometimes we just say, well, the Holy Spirit is present today, but not Yeshua. That's not what the Bible says, right? We read, not only is he seated in heavenly places right now, serving uh, and being king, but what does Paul say? I've been crucified with Messiah. It's no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. Messiah lives in me right now. He lives in us via the Ruach, but it is Yeshua who rules via the Holy Spirit. And so our focus still needs to be fixed on Messiah Yeshua, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, the Ruach gives us the power to do so, and what a gift, but it is Yeshua in who, to whom we serve. And so it is very important to embrace this reality and understand this real spiritual world, and that this world is indeed temporal, uh, and that we serve him. Now, how does that help us in our lives? Well, I don't have a lot of time to explain it. We'll explain it in future weeks. But I will say this. There's a famous story, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. And Elisha, or Elisha, is with uh, his uh, the servant traveling with him. And they're under attack. And the servant is afraid they're going to die. But Elisha seems to be unalarmed by this attack. And so Elisha prays that the eyes of the serpent, the serpent, the servant, the eyes of the servant would be opened up and be able to see uh, the invisible present uh, presence of God and his host. And so God answers the prayer. And what do they see? 
they see this huge army and chariots and horses. May I suggest this is the celestial beings of God. This is the reality of the invisible uh, place of God that often is called heaven. It doesn't mean a faraway, distant place that we can't understand. It's simply where God is, right? Uh, and so in our own world, uh, we could say that when we're under attack, know that there are angels, there are celestial beings all around us, and that we are never alone, uh, and that we are sitting in heavenly places with Yeshua. Does that mean that we're never attacked? Does that mean that nothing bad can ever happen to us? No, it does not mean that. We are living in a world of rebellion, and we're in this world of rebellion. Much like the Jewish people in the wilderness was a hard place, yet they were in the best place they could be. And so we may be in a hard place, but we're in the best place we could be, seated in heavenly places with the Messiah. And we need to consider ourselves as living there because that's where hope is, you see? Uh, and so the cares of this world, when left unchecked, when we're not in the word of God, when we're not being fed the word, when we're not uh, setting our minds on things above, we're going to be disconnected. Even if we know the Lord, our mind ends up being elsewhere. And we have this disconnection between faith and reality. What happens when we do not set uh, our minds on things above, on the reality of our presence at the right hand of God seated with Yeshua? Fear, insecurity, hopelessness, uh, doubt, perhaps depression, and even worse. And we end up with passions for this world and looking to this world to solve our problems. No, it is the king who's going to solve our problems. It is Yeshua seated at the right hand of God. He is the one who, who rules in the midst of his enemies. You know, if you go back to Psalm 110, we read uh, uh, a little bit further. The Lord will stretch forth thy strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies in the midst of your enemies. Today, Yeshua is ruling in the midst of enemies, whether it be moral enemies, ethical enemies, or just the things that happen in life uh, because of the fall of mankind, because of the rebellion of mankind. We live in the midst of it, and we're not immune to it. But what we are immune to is the hopelessness. We, what we are immune to is no future. No, God has a tremendous future. And we have this calling to live that future in the present. And that's what we're called to do. I, and on another Shabbat morning, we're going to talk about our calling as rulers in this world, seated with Yeshua uh, on that throne and what that means. But for now, what we want to just understand is that we can be greatly encouraged knowing who we are in Messiah and that He has. After the resurrection, Yeshua ascended to the right hand of God. He is the king. He's sitting on the throne, and we are right there with him. And we, are, in that connection, we are able to receive the benefits of that so that we can transmit the benefits of that 
to this lost world. And so I hope that this thought is encouraging to us. Because during the days when Yeshua was with his disciples, he was preparing them for that very truth. For them not to see him anymore, but to know that he is Lord and Messiah. And they were emboldened after uh, Yeshua uh, uh, disappeared into the clouds. They were emboldened. They believed it with their whole heart. And it caused a great change in their lives, a transformation. And I trust a transformation in our own lives as well. And so may we be encouraged knowing that we are seated in heavenly places with Messiah Yeshua and that there is a heavenly uh, real place. There is a real uh, invisible spiritual real place, uh, a real invisible spiritual realm where we indeed dwell as Messiah followers because of our connection to Messiah Yeshua. Our worldview changes from our from our birth to our death to our birth to forever. And I pray and I trust that this will be a word of encouragement. And I hope that we can then look at the, at the problems of this world and the problems in our life and frame them from the position of, I uh, am seated at the right hand of God with Messiah Yeshua. Uh, and the sting of death has been taken away because I have a tremendous future with the Lord that we get to begin to live today. May that be a word of encouragement uh, to us all. And as I said, in future weeks, the next few weeks, we'll be talking more about that. So let's uh, pause. Let's give thanks to God uh, and we'll continue. Lord, uh, thank you, God, for this great truth. Thank you, Lord, that this physical world is not all there is, that you created this physical world uh, for to dwell in along with all of us here, but that there is an invisible spiritual world. And we look forward to the day when that amalgamates back together again, back to Eden, where we all dwell with you in an uninhibited way, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and, and we'll have new bodies, uh, Lord. We, we so look forward to that day and thank you that that is a real hope. And it is, it is as concrete as the hope that we have that the chair we're sitting in right now isn't going to fall apart uh, on us. Lord, may we realize that invisible reality uh, and our place in it. May it empower us, God. May it cause us to take the edge off of the difficulty of our lives when we are not sure what tomorrow will bring or what next week will bring. Thank you, Lord. We know what you will bring. And thank you, God, for the future presence that we have indeed uh, today. Lord, may, uh, may it give us hope. May it empower us. And uh, Lord, may we be able, therefore, to stay above the fray of all of the things that trouble us uh, in this uh, life. We thank you and we praise you in Messiah's name. Amen.